are you doing? Pretty good. Bit tired. Busy. Yeah, yeah. And disheartened by the continuing story that is the frustration of Manchester United. Yeah. Well, uh, another draw at the weekend. And uh, what is it now? 13 points, the gap. To the, to the top. Wow. Just, I mean, even fourth place is now looking a stretch. Not just a stretch, but a kind of, uh, like, I don't know, some sort of elite yogi who's practised stretching for his whole life kind of stretch. It's, yeah. It's, it's no joke, is it? Nine points, uh, but also two teams to overhaul out of a bunch of perennial Champions League contenders. It's, uh, it's not going to be a trivial process. Right. And uh, not only does that mean either two teams slipping up or United substantially increasing the points per game average over the next however many games it is to the end of the season, um, but, um, but it's going to, you know... It, mean a, a change in United's fortunes or outputs or both. Anyway, that's that's the negative side of things. We'll come on to that. Let, let's talk West Ham because that was good. Oh, what a game it was. I mean, West Ham uh, were rotated, but not massively, massively rotated. No, it's Still not like they put players. the kids out. No. So, no, no, West Ham put a good side out, but clearly they're prioritising the league because the level of intensity of their performance was substantially different than just a few days before. But United, well... I guess they proved you right in this game, didn't they? Uh, you said uh, you said a performance was coming and it translated into goals, and um, you, 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 you didn't see much wrong with the team, and it was all coming together. and And this was a great performance and a bag full of goals. Yeah, and um, Mkhitaryan, that was the second start, wasn't it? Because uh, he hadn't started in the league, had he, against West Ham? Oh yeah, yeah, that was where he started. So it was the second start in succession. In fact, Martial and Mkhitaryan completely tore West Ham apart. Um, and Ibrahimovic got a brace as well, which was which was good keeping up his scoring run. Well, yeah, I mean, he's now, after my rant about Ibrahimovic last week, his, his uh, goal-scoring record looks very good. Uh, the, the performances are a little bit different, but... Uh, yeah, Everton was dismal, but we'll come on to that. Yeah, I, I, look, so good to see uh, Anthony Martial get some goals and, and look pretty good in the... At the same point, you know, a bit more of that verve and zip and, you know, attacking players and things coming off and looked a bit more confident and happy. And uh, Mourinho said afterwards that he'd been working harder. He said, simple, really, he's been working harder. Um, I, you know, I wonder whether that's a bit, um, you know, reductionist, really. Because um, we we know that there's problems with Anthony Martial. He's a young player. He's, you know, he won't be the first or the last to have uh, some troubles in the second season. Um, he's playing in, in a position that he does well in, but I'm not sure it's his best position long term. And he's had personal problems. You know, his parents have moved in. Maybe he's a bit more settled and happy. He's working harder in the training field, getting game time and getting goals. And the whole attacking unit. So you had um, uh, Martial, Rooney and Mkhitaryan behind Ibrahimovic. And all four of them were fluid. Uh, their touch was really assured, like Rooney proper mid purple patch rooney he he was he was excellent he didn't get a goal and assist in that game but his all around performance was absolutely ex- i mean i thought it was exceptional to be honest i thought he was he was just he was excellent um two key passes which is is what you want and of course united's high pressing he made three tackles in that game united were very aggressive and and just it just all worked didn't it and i mean what did you make of rooney's performance in that one uh, yeah, I thought he was very good. Um, he didn't get an assist, 
but um, did you say he got an assist? Two uh, no, key no, passes. No, no assist, two key no passes. Assist. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah um, no, very good. Uh, it, the, the kind of, I mean, maybe he's fit now. It's only taking four months to get into the season. Um, but uh, you're, you're right. This is uh, Purple Patch Rooney that we, we see. He's, he's looking much better and sharper and uh, wanting the ball and making things happen and just looks half a yard uh, faster. Well, we'll see how long it lasts, really. I think the, the, the thing that it made me think was, you know, we get accused of hating on Rooney all the time, obviously. Um, but one of the, the reasons why it was so frustrating to watch Van Gaal play him week in, week out was how valuable a break could be for Rooney. And we've sort of seen, I, I think, the, the positive effects of a break. You mentioned he looks a bit quicker. There's definitely a kind of... It's not like he's going to win a 100-yard dash against Luke Shaw or whatever, but there's definitely an explosiveness. There's more power in his kind of explosive sprints when he's had a break. Yeah, there is. I mean, I have to say it's one of those games where he was given plenty of time and space. I mean, Obiang and Fernandez in the centre and the West Ham midfield... Uh, it's not as if they had the aggressive uh, pressing game that United, you said United had. Um, and it's the kind of game that suits Rooney well. But that's that's great. You know, this is, you know, if, if we if we are able to eke uh, from Rooney uh, good performances coming off the bench or, you know, starting in, in games against lesser opposition, that's, uh, that's perfect, I think, uh, from a player of his sort of age. And he's, you know, he's older than his actual years, isn't he? Because of the, the amount of football he's had over years. That, that's perfect. I think that's fine. The, the frustration is him playing and starting against top opposition where he makes very little influence, uh, gives the ball away in the final third and doesn't isn't able to dictate the flow of United's play in the way that, say, Juan Mata does. Um, and, <laughs> just... and we can talk a little bit about Mata's absence uh, against Everton and, and how much that mattered. I'm going to say, were you pitching that at new listeners? Is that what you were doing, that last little bit? Was that just in case just in case anyone's tuning in for the first time and weren't sure exactly where you stood on that subject? Hey, you asked me what I thought of his performance. <laughs> yes, and you said it was quite good, but he's rubbish against good teams. Well, I mean, look, I, I don't think it's unfair to put some context on this. You know, it's sure. like, it, look, this is a West Ham side that played well against United three days beforehand, that they went from a 10 out of 10 intensity to 7 out of 10 intensity. No doubt. You know, they, it's it's not like oh, they absolutely. rested a bunch of players, but, um, you know, if you, if you uh, ask the manager, the fans, all that team and the individual players, what was more important, staying in the Premier League or a League Cup run, you know. Um, I'm about to uh, remove context from the conversation briefly to wax lyrical about Henrik Mkhitaryan's performance in that game. Uh, he was next level fantastic. Do you know what his pass completion percentage was out of the 46 passes he attempted in that game, Ed? I, I don't. Tell it me. Was, it was 96%, which is what like... What happened to the, the passes he's, he's put wrong? Two then? passes... Two out of 46 passes misplaced. Could have done better, couldn't he? The thing about that is, it's not like Michael Carrick or, um, or, or even, I don't know, even the Barcelona midfield in its pomp. That's 96 passes com- continually kind of taking the ball, 40, 46 passes, sorry, continually taking the ball on the fly at speed, you know, laying it off making decisions, picking out through balls, seven key passes in that game and two two well-deserved assists. Uh, an absolute star turn and it was his... Um, Absolutely. And, it, and and it's great. It's great to see because he's a great player 
and you just want to see it work out from at United and, and we had a, a lot of fears that he would never play. Um, but what a bonus for United to get Martial and Mkhitaryan back into the side um, and hopefully playing, you know, Everton's side, hopefully playing well. Um, you know, huge bonus, great options. I, you know, we've talked about this a little bit before. I, I hope it's not at the sacrifice of Juan Mata because I, I re- really, he really is important in knitting together United's attacking ambitions. OK, he didn't play against West Ham, um, but where United need to control the game, important. There is going to be, a, there's going to be a sacrifice somewhere. I'm not sure we'll see a team in which Martial, Mkhitaryan, Mata, Pogba and Herrera all play, you know? I think it's interesting. We'll, we'll well, we might as well move on to the Everton game because everyone enjoyed the West Ham game. It was lovely, but it was what it was—a um, League Cup game. I mean, we scored early, and and that extra sapped West Ham, didn't it? Um, oh, I think I said earlier that that was that Mkhitaryan started in the league. Of course, he didn't start in the league against West Ham. He'd started in that was that was his second start in in the midweeks um both yeah both and and he was man of the match in both of those games which i thought was pretty significant um and and against everton you see i i would argue that the player that should have been sacrificed out of that lineup for juan mata was michael carrick and that you should have stuck we should have gone with the 4231 that is basically what we've been playing all the way through has been the odd 433 but he played Carrick Herrera and Pogba and actually that we've we've argued for that a lot this season but I think in that game he could have afforded to have Juan Mata in there for Carrick and have uh, Mata behind Ibrahimovic Mkhitaryan and Martial on either flank before we get onto the negatives, I just wanted to say I thought it was a tremendous positive that both Martial and Mkhitaryan kept their place and very um, a very good counter-argument to the notion that Mourinho's kind of stuck in his ways and doesn't want to gamble on the attacking players and all this kind of stuff. They performed excellently. He kept them in the side. He did, yeah. And, and look, it, it was basically a 4-3-3 because it's not as if Pogba, Pogba was playing as a you know, centrally at number 10 as the playmaker. I mean, he was towards the left of a 4-3-3. And we've, we have argued for that a lot. And given the balance of the squad, it's a good option. There is a sacrifice. And the sacrifice is there's no one who's kind of controlling the flow and temper of the game. I mean, Matter felt like he was missed. I don't know the answer to this one because I'm not quite sure how you get all of those attacking players into the same side and and not lose, not lose either Martial or Carrick or Mata yeah. or someone else, but, but mainly I, those three, right? And and each of them is a sacrifice. You lose Mata, you lose control in the attacking third. You lose Carrick, you lose the balance that Carrick gives um, and you're hoping for Herrera to give that balance in a very different way, in a sort of defensive way. Um, and, you know, or you lose one of the attacking players and you shove Mata out onto the right. Yeah, all compromise. I think that last one is the is the least good compromise. I think that, that last one's the one we want to see least, or I want to see least. And and I think the the thing with Carrick is, you know, it's good to have him back involved, and he has put in some excellent performances. But he was really poor against Everton, and I don't think that's because he's bad or it was the kind of game he'd be bad in. I think it's because he's thirty five, hasn't played that much football, and then suddenly played a load of football in a row. He looked a little leggy in that game. I don't, I don't hold that against him. But I've, I've, it was. It's not like that came as a surprise. In fact, 
this this game was fundamentally defined by bad things not coming as a surprise, wasn't it? Well, yeah. Well, let, let's talk about some of the, the major incidents in this game. So uh, where do we start? Uh, Marcos Rojo. Uh, was that a red card or a double <laughs> red card he should have got for that absolute horror show of a I mean, tackle? it's a total disgrace, isn't it? And, and you know, Gary Neville said on commentary and... It was widely observed. He, if he'd booked Gareth Barry for Barry's kind of questionable, well, highly questionable, definitely a booking challenge a few minutes earlier, then Rocco probably would have gone for that. Um, but I don't know how the referee can see that incident well enough to deem it a yellow card and not say it's a red. It's truly bizarre. No, he's guessed. Yeah. Yeah, he's guessed. Because he can't, like, he's two feet off the ground and into the thigh. I love the notion, um, I love the his, notion that his feet are two feet off the ground. <laughs> like, he went in at waist height. Yeah, well, it wasn't far <laughs> off, was it? Uh, I mean, it's, a, it, it's an absolute shocker of a tackle. I mean, he could have gone, should have gone, and that, of course, would have changed the, uh, the temper of the game somewhat. But, you know, I mean, Everton were... On top, creating chances. I mean, definitely created more good chances than United in this game. They seem to dictate the the uh, the flow of the game. Even though it was United who scored first and led for what you know almost all of the second half. Um, we we talked a lot about the performance level. Kind of frustrated that United had been playing well but drawing in the league and then spanking teams in in midweek this kind of broke that pattern because this wasn't a good performance. Not a terrible performance, but not a good one. No, it was a, 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 I think it was a poor performance with brilliant moments and terrible moments. That's what I think it was overall. I, I, I think the general level was, well, let's say, below average performance with brilliant moments and terrible moments. So I want to talk about Ibrahimovic, who obviously scored a wonderful Ibrahimovic-esque goal and I don't think should be dropped from United. I don't think that's the case. But his first half an hour was a total disaster. Um, he he gave the ball away. He had the ball 16 times, gave it away seven of those it, it, it was just really, really sloppy. Um, Pogba was pretty sloppy with his passing all game. He was he was quite effective defensively, but you want you, that's obviously not what we want from him. I thought both both Martial and Mkhitaryan were were good all the way through the game. They were kind of yeah, yeah. They were both very positive yeah. when they got the ball. I mean, both yanked off yeah uh, by Mourinho or substituted, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's not get too personal yeah. here. Um, but no, no, you're right. Ibrahimovic down at 60% pass completion. You know, and this is the argument Mourinho had. Oh, well, if he's not scoring, it doesn't matter because he went, you know, 13 games, scored one goal at one point uh, because his all-round performance is good. Which it, now he's scoring goals yeah. and plenty of goals. Uh, and, you know, he's looking like he's on for a 20-plus goal season at this rate. Yeah. Um, uh, and the all-round game has gone. I mean, he didn't have a good game against Everton. It's the kind of game that makes you question or makes him look like he's 35 again. But I mean, wonder goal though. Not not only did he, you know, score from 40 yards out, but he hit the post and the bar, and it bounced twice on the line before he went in. It was beautiful. As someone I think said on Twitter that it was uh, Ibrahimovic is the only man that could score that goal and give Everton hope as well. Like really taunt them and break their hearts. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't. Th- 
I don't know how much that was him being 35 versus just him having an off day. You know, I think he's had off days throughout his career. Everybody does. And, and I think I think Mourinho's argument, not for every Ibrahimovic performance so far, but in general, especially in the little run leading up to that this game, like the little run since he came back from the suspension, he's been creating chance after chance after chance. And this is this is the first game in a long time I think he hasn't created any chances. Um, so... I think let's see whether that becomes a pattern or if it was a, if it was something of a not a one-off, but a, you know, it's, this is going to be an infrequent occurrence. Um, sure. And yeah, like what a goal! What a goal! Mkhitaryan, um, it was great to see him doing well again. Um, really, like uh, really important in United's press as well, which which makes it all the more confusing, the whole mm. situation, because he just looks a complete Mourinho-type player, doesn't he? Look, he's a hard worker. Um, he always has been. This, this is not new. Uh, he, uh, you know, he puts in the, the miles. He's got great pace and energy. Uh, he's beautiful with the ball at his feet, you know? And um, it, it's the, the frustrating thing is he's come back into the side and he's put in a bunch of very good performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it just kind of makes you wonder why he wasn't given the opportunity to impress before. I mean, he says um, the problem wasn't Mourinho, the problem was me. That's what Mkhitaryan said. There's a quote going around. I haven't read into it too much. And, you know, we don't know what's been going on behind the scenes. And it, it, it's got to the point where it's like, OK, well, whatever's gone before, it's been it's been mega frustrating. But, hey, look, he's here now and, and let's hope we kick on as a consequence of that. And it definitely looks possible that we will. Uh, but it it was just such a... Should we come on to the flipping, horrible nightmare of the end part of that game? Yeah, well, one more um, one more thing on Ibrahimovic first. Uh, there was the clash with Chris Coleman. Well, you know, he's... Uh, Coleman's obviously... Oh, Seamus Coleman. Coleman. Chris Coleman he being... He didn't a, go and lamp the yeah, Wales manager. <laughs> that's it. Random, randomly kicked Chris Coleman, Wales manager, in the head and put him to sleep. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, there's merit to that. Um, so, yes, Seamus Coleman fell on him and then sort of booted him in the head. I mean, I have to say I, I, there's some controversy about this, but I, I tend to believe Ibrahimovic that it was it was just uh, accidental, the second boot moving towards the guy's head. Um, and I do love the quote afterwards. <laughs> yeah, it's great because you can easily, like, um, excessively buy into the cult of Ibrahimovic, right? And I can, I can see some people finding it cringy, whatever, but... How can you not buy into the cult of Ibrahimovic when he says, if I wanted to kick him in the head, believe me, I would have kicked him in the head. And made him go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. It's just... It's very Ibra, isn't it? It is. I don't know. It's, it's that, that, that game turned really stupid. So United had their... Mourinho talks about like how United have been getting unlucky and playing well and really like loads of teams have been delighted to be getting a draw against them. But United's last shot on goal of any kind in that game came in the 66th minute. And that it just tells us so much about the way that at the end of that game went. And when did Flaney come on? About 70 minutes or something yeah, no, like it was, that. It was, it was quite a lot later than that. Um, <laughs> but, but classic Mourinho, I'm, I'm going to try and shut this game down. But just a massive mistake based on this belief that somehow A, Flaney is good in the air or B, he can defend. He can't do either. He's not good in the air. He as cannot as, move. He's he's dense. He can't move. As has widely been pointed out, uh, why would you have a central defender on the bench if they weren't fit enough to play 10 minutes of football? Um, 
Eric Bailly was on the bench in that game. Was he just like really, really didn't want to put Timothy Fosu-Mensah on the bench, so he had to put Eric Bailly on the bench? Why, if you're trying to shore up the game and, and you know, improve our aerial presence or whatever? I mean, you know, the, the, the key damning thing is there cannot have been a soul alive who was surprised when Maran Fellaini clad into that, uh, to... Idrissa Gui, who had an excellent game generally. Very good. What a good player he is. Yeah, superb. I mean, you'd throw some money Everton's way, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I would. Although, I, I don't know. I want to work with the players we've got for now. I'm fed up of us buying new players and it getting all confusing. But yeah, and then Fellaini just... It was so stupid. Oh, but it's just so Fellaini. Yeah, exactly. Just what a brain-dead player he is. Um, so I wrote an article on uh, Bleach Report and I said it was a terrible substitution. And then there were people in the comments saying, it's not a terrible substitution. It's not Mourinho's fault. It's, it's just that Fellaini's a clown. No, it's like- a terrible substitution because none of that can have been a surprise. I know Mourinho tried to justify it. He just got it wrong. He got it wrong. He got it badly wrong because he made assumptions about what Fellaini is and does as a player. And it's just wrong. It's myth. You, you, know, uh, you know the story of the, the parable of the scorpion who, like... Uh, begs a, tort- a turtle to give him a lift across the river, stings him halfway across the river. The turtle drowns and goes, you're going to take both of us out. Why'd you do that? And he said, look, I'm a scorpion. And it, th- this is why it was not Fellaini's fault. It was Mourinho's fault. Fellaini would just be like, look, I'm Mara and Fellaini. This is what I do. Yeah, and uh, he very successfully did it by clattering in- into Idrissa Gay. And yeah, there was some suggestion that uh, Gay went down easily, and he did, you know, but... But the legs in there, uh, uh, Fellaini asked the referee to make a very, very easy decision. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the notion that that's anyone's fault other than Fellaini's, the ref's fault, Gay's fault. No, 100% a penalty. Um, Imagine it was the other way around. We'd been fuming if it hadn't been given. And, and of course, Baines doesn't miss. Um, And Everton got what they, you know, they deserved points out of that game definitely um and so they got it but you know the infuriating thing is if if united i was gonna say if united are going to make a challenge for the title that's a good one uh if united are going to get into the champions league then my god you got to be able to close out those games how many ways seven points united have lost in the last 10 minutes of games yeah, now it's too it's far too many it's not Mourinho-esque and you know it's i, I don't want to start on some kind of anti-Mourinho rant because obviously the trajectory of United's performances this season are better. They're, they're going in the right direction. But the results aren't coming. And and we talked about it last week. This is the ultimate pragmatist. He's the man who's going to give us results. It's not happening. And I, In the ones that really matter. United haven't beaten anyone good this season. I mean, except City in the League Cup, but it was... There was and a lot City of... in the League Cup, and they made like eight changes. Yep, that's... Yep, Absolutely. And, you know, you talked about the number of points that were thrown away in um, in the last couple of minutes. This was really similar to the Arsenal game, I thought, where uh, it was bringing on a more defensive-minded player that shrunk United into the game. I mean, you know, imagine you roll the dice at that point and bring Juan Mata on. Uh, you know, obviously he would never do that. But the other substitution, I thought, warranted quite a lot of attention as well. I mean... It's late enough in the game that you can say it's kind of uh, much of a muchness, really. But on the 82nd minute, he brought Rashford on for Martial. 
Uh, it was after Everton had gone properly. But he does for... that all the time, like for like. Yeah, you know? exactly. I, I, the, the substitution I'd have made then is Rashford for Ibrahimovic. No because question. if you're not going to play on the break, you want someone to stretch the game. Mm. No question. And also, it's um, Martial's better defensively than Rashford as well. Like he is, yeah. So, so it just all all ends up that looked like a really uh, a, a very very kind of odd substitution. Um, but we've we've said this a few times this season. I mean, mm. I haven't been counting, but no, you know, Mourinho's the master tactician. Feels yeah. like he's made a few mistakes. Well, Scott from Republic of Mancunia wrote an article for you, Maxit, about the the conservatism of Mourinho substitutions in terms of bringing on defensive players. But I think there's a deeper issue about the conservatism of his substitutions in the time in the game in which he's made them, which is much later than I think of as Mourinho, the way Mourinho handles things, and uh, and the number of substitutions which have been like for like rather than more complicated or, or kind of tactically designed to influence the game in, in specific ways other than just bring the big man on in case there was a bunch of crosses at the end. It was, I don't know. It was, it was it... Right, yeah, it's not imaginative, not trying to change a game to influence the game in United's favour. It is just about legs and energy. And this is... And... Sorry, what were you going to say? No, and, and the thing you're saying about, you know, the big man to, to save United, mm. which was dumb. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, this is where, hopefully we do this typically as a podcast... You don't draw one conclusion from a game. The conclusion from this game is not that Mourinho is excessively conservative and is finished. It's that he has this tendency in him because the starting lineup was anything but conservative. The starting lineup was yeah. progressive and exciting. And actually, yeah. a couple of his big name players really let him down. And that game should have been out of sight early, not necessarily on the um not on the chances actually created, but on the moments where a brilliant chance was just about to be created and someone fluffed their lines. Mostly Ibrahimovic, a bit Pogba as well. And and United could point some ill luck with Herrera hitting the bar, I well, suppose. I, but um, yeah. you know, it's not as if not, not as if that that's a you know eight, eight, it's not a shot on target, is it? If it hits the he, bar, he, did, he, he didn't hit it right either. You know, that wasn't yeah. it wasn't bad luck that made that sky. Yeah, so, I mean, look, where does that leave us? Because um, I, I take your point about not drawing too many conclusions from one game, but there's a pattern here, right? Um, but I, but I, don't, I don't know how... I mean, there's definitely... Let's not have the same conversation we had last week, but there's, there is definitely a pattern in results. That's undeniable. But I'm not sure that that game fit into the pattern of performance. No, no, it was, it was much worse performance. Same result. Yeah. Um, that's one thing. And the other thing is, look, are United somehow miles and miles off, you know, their justifiable place? I'm not sure. I just don't think it's the case. And I think maybe the answer is we're just not that good. Um, and I, Mourinho I, hasn't made us, you know, significantly better. The uptick from Van Gaal has not been significant enough that it's translating into results. Well, I, I did a back of the you know, back of a matchbox calculation. And I think we've dropped 11 points from us playing badly and eight eight points in games we absolutely should have won in the normal course of business. And eight points right now wouldn't be enough to get us into the top four spots. So we lost three points against City at home. We were terrible. Three points against Watford away, terrible. Three points against Chelsea away, terrible. Two points against Everton away, not terrible, but very 
average and fully deserving of not winning that game. And then there's the 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 you could even the Arsenal game I think is maybe a draw was a fair result, but let's be generous and include that in the good games we should have won. And you've got Arsenal, Burnley, Stoke and West Ham. That's that's two points each time. That's eight points. So eleven points. Eleven of the points we haven't got that we'd need have been because other teams were better than us. So, you know, that's that is not a particularly good argument for the, you know, it's just because of bad luck that we're not much higher up the table. I mean, we'd be breathing down the necks of the top four if we had those eight points and that would be different. But, but, but that's that's not ill luck. That that's performance, right? And game management and turning turning chances created into goals. Which we haven't done. It's not ill luck. Uh, Those are all the things that you do to win a game. Yeah, but I think I th- you close it out. You score the chances you've got. Sure, but I'm I'm saying even if you say that actually there are four games in that run, particularly three, where it was it was it was much on the balance of performance, much less likely that we'd end up drawing that game than winning it. Even if you have those points into the mix, we're still not in the top four at this point, you know. So the problem is deeper than just just that bit, which, you know, that's even a bit of a nuance, isn't it? That's even a bit like you can argue it either way. Um, whereas I don't think you could say much about that Everton game other than it was a subpar performance and at, at a really bad time. And, yeah, we've... I, I mean, I, I think there's a substantial uptick in the the entertainment value of watching United and um, and the kind of potential for a decent team to emerge out of this. But, yeah, it's not there yet, is it? It's a long way from it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, it's, this is critical because if United miss out on the Champions League, it's going to be harder to rebuild the squad or build on the squad. Uh, there's going to be a financial hit from lost sponsorships, substantial financial hit. I mean, God knows what the 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 uh, the Glazers and Edward would do because they fired the last two managers that failed to get into the Champions League. Do you fire Mourinho? Where the hell do you go from there? I mean, it's desperate times, and and it's too early to talk about United failing, except for thirteen points, the gap to the Premier League leaders, eight or nine uh, to the Champions League. But I mean, it's desperate. I mean, I suppose it, it, it. We were full of optimism at the beginning of the season, and uh, and and you know there was that Andy Mitten on on our show referred to the podcast on the UWS on the to the poll on UWS online where naught percent of people had voted that United would finish outside of the top four this season. So optimism was high, but I think you know um, obviously obviously what I think is the it would be completely just just like shooting ourselves in the foot to sack Mourinho if he has a bad season this season, unless there's absolutely no evidence of progress. And I think there's already been easily enough evidence of progress because you're not starting... When he took over Chelsea the first time round, that Ranieri team was like a vast amount of investment had come that was building towards something. It would, you know, it had got deep in the Champions League and there were a lot of good players there and they were on the cusp of something. He came in and and did the job. Um, This is not that situation, is it? You know? No, no, it's not. And and United have got a... You know, a reasonable December and January. I mean, we talk about Zoya. Obviously, the home game against Tottenham is going to be a tough one. Tottenham doing okay, but it's a little bit inconsistent this season. Away at Palace, who are terrible at the moment. Away at West Bromo, playing pretty well. 
you know, I think you'd think of them as a smaller club, but they're doing all right. Yeah. Um, and then the two games to round off the season against Sunderland and Borough, and you'd expect United to win both of those. So not oh. horrible December, I not mean, horrible. You'd hope United would win. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I would expect it. I mean, I would expect them in isolation to win both of those games, but I think they're both away from home back to back. Um, no, it's the Borough and uh, it's the Borough and West Brom games that are away back to back, but and the Sunderland games at home, but. I, I don't know that I would necessarily expect us to, I, I, we, you know, par in all those games taken in isolation, apart from the Spurs one, is winning each of them, isn't it? But yeah. it seems very unlikely that we're going to go on a run where we win all those those games. And then, and then you know, a lot of cup ties in January, but the, the real ones in the league, away at West Ham, home to Liverpool, away at Stoke. You know, you really do want to have a good December, don't you? You do. You kind of need it. Um, a, a little word about the Cup. Of course, we got to that, that West Ham game in the League Cup means we've got a semi-final and uh, the draw could have gone a number of different directions and it went the direction to uh, potentially open up uh, easily the most interesting of the possible finals that could have happened if we can get past Mike. It's, it's the master tactician versus Jose Mourinho. <laughs> Is Mickey feeling all over again? And I'm I'm feeling good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Old tight shorts, love him. Yeah, yeah. What a guy. Um, the uh, it's you know it's, it's it's the draw that means that it's possible that we're going to get a United Liverpool final. And that would be great, won't it? You know, yeah. Uh, cup final day out against the old rivals. Silverware on the line. What a difference it could make, and that would be sort of in mid February or something like that. Um, yeah, United clearly should comfortably comfortably beat Hull. Clearly, should. I mean, Liverpool Southampton. I think it's. Uh, I mean, you know, it's cup competition and it stuff happens. I mean, it could be a Hull Southampton final, obviously, but uh, there's no guarantee it'll be United Liverpool. But that does seem the likeliest outcome for now. So that's where United have been out in the last week, and I had the pleasure before uh, either of those games, or after the West Ham game, I think. Um, uh, but before the, the weekend against Everton, I had the pleasure to talk to uh, writer Carl Anker, writer and filmmaker. Uh, he's worked for BuzzFeed and Joe and various different places on the internet. Um, you can follow him on Twitter at Anchorman616. Uh, That's A-N-K-A. Um, he's a fantastic follow on Twitter and a lovely chap, and I was delighted to be able to talk to Carl. All right, well, we are absolutely delighted to be joined by Carl Anker on the show this week. Carl, um, what's your what's your history with Man United? Let me think. So, I live in Essex, so therefore I have to support Man United. <laughs> uh, no, uh, Dwight York and Andy Cole, two of the baddest men on the planet in the 90s, and that was when I started supporting them. Uh, I, was, I remember the treble win, I remember Cantona's FA Cup win, um, and it just started from there. I had a small little lapse during like the Van Nistelrooy years and the David Bellingham years, uh, mostly because I was playing way too many computer games, not for glory hunting reasons. Um, and I've been with them ever since. Uh, and the Moyes year was a very good year because I finally learned how football works and it's mostly pain. <laughs> I think about this a lot. I think about the fact that we've all just generally expected the team we support to win most of our lives, but that isn't how it is for most people. No, no. I remember, so the 81 crosses game against Fulham was uh, a game where I was, I was dating this girl and I remember 
like I had the option of going home and watching match today. I remember looking at the result on my phone going, well, I'll just, I'll just stay with this person. And, <laughs> and we ended up going out together for like nearly two years. And I was like, oh, well, and I always thought one, one reason why I ended up dating that person for like a, a long portion of time was because I didn't want to go home and watch match today because United were terrible. <laughs> nobody thinks about these things do they yeah the human stories behind the tragedy (laughs) 81 crosses has provided us with years worth of entertainment ever since and it's become you know a a a globally accepted meme but for you it had a a deep personal significance yeah it was it was almost a good thing (laughs) and how's it been then the experience of watching united not be good anymore weird Okay, like I said, I had a little gap where I didn't really watch football, which more or less coincided with the rise of Chelsea. Um, and then I came back just before in the season where we won the League Cup. I remember came back to football watching then again. Basically, I got dropped from my football team. And I went, I don't like football anymore. Um, and I came back. So, but the last time United weren't very good, I didn't watch. But even then, that not very good. We were finishing second or third. Whereas this is just really odd and I can't really figure out how to fix it in the next three years. Really? You think it's that, that structural, that deep? Yeah. yeah. If, if you notice the way I keep talking, every time I talk about United, I have finished all my sentences like this. <laughs> and that's not a youthful affectation. That's just, I have no idea what's going on with the squad and like the, the general setup. So my take has generally been that this season is kind of pretty full of promise in a lot of ways. And, and that actually there's been some sort of pretty significant shake-up to the squad that should bear fruit. But you're much more of the camp that, no, the underlying structural issues are still there. The, the banter era will continue. Oh, the banter era will last ages. Um, so I remember talking on a similar show uh, last season, and my big like hot take was United will never win the Premier League so long as Wayne Rooney starts. Um and I didn't expect the Wayne Rooney conundrum to be solved this quickly, but I still don't think United will be competing for a title for another four or five years. Like there's so many, the squad is a weird alchemy of things. Like the United aura is gone. I can't quite figure out what the squad wants to be or what the club stands for nowadays. Um, I keep tweeting about this a lot that more or less we're like the new AC Milan where we've got the money, we've got the history, we've got the prestige. But I think that's just about all we have right now. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know. Mourinho gave his post-match interview after the League Cup game against West Ham, where he said he's really happy because this is the kind of football he wanted to bring to United. So there, there is, I don't know, I think there's some sort of identity being built, isn't there? Ish. Can, can you work out what's going on, you know... There is a very good squad in there somewhere, but I don't see it happening much when I watch him play in the league. Um, the Zatlan thing is nice. It's it's very nice to have Zatlan playing for your team and doing things. Uh, I also think it makes us a little bit too one-dimensional. Um, I could not for the life of me figure out how that midfield meant to work. And at the back, I think it's very interesting that quite a few goals scored against us are scored from the same position in the pitch. I think that cutback in the the Watford game was very interesting for me because 
I think four or five teams have figured out if you cut it back to that exact position in the in the penalty spot, you can more or less score against United. And that's like a weird quirk that you wouldn't expect from a team that's being managed by Jose. So who knows? I quite like I quite like the fact that we've started scoring that goal back, like as revenge. So we scored, like Mata scored uh, against Arsenal with that that exact goal, and then Martial scored one uh, against West Ham in the League Cup with the with the same move, the same special move. So it's like we've learnt it, we've absorbed we've absorbed the power of our opposition. The reverse here. slide cutback is it's a great move. Um, it's a great move when it works, but it, it it how can I describe it? It's like the prawn cocktail of a. Uh, Attacking moves. It's only slightly better than like the base level. <laughs> I have no idea if that makes sense. <laughs> so it's like it, it's not a full, I don't know, 10 move fighting game combo. It's just when you first learn to do to throw a fireball in Street Fighter 2. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the fireball's really, really effective. It can like really take care of the first two thirds attacking area. But you should be eventually hitting 16 hit combos eventually. Like, it would be nice. would be nice if you spent 150 million to have a little bit of a va-va-voom, so to speak. So you're not convinced by the kind of the few really good performances in the Cups and and the kind of general pattern of play where we've been creating tons of chances and not finishing them off. This isn't this hasn't convinced you that the va-va-voom is back? No, no. They're, they're glimmers. But I think it's it's very much individual glimmers. I, I don't think it's. Uh... <clears throat> I want to talk about Liverpool now. Forgive me, uh, but when you watch Liverpool and the way they play, it's it's very clear that Klopp is instructing his players to move in a certain way, and that these very intelligent players are help, being helped by a very fun system. Whereas where you watch Manchester United, it's kind of clear that it's very intelligent players just going, all right, well. I'll do this then, and then when it comes off, it comes off because Zatlan's a very good player, or Pogba can hit a moon assist out of nowhere. Like the the West Ham goal in the league was very interesting because Pogba had passed it along a bit, grabbed the ball, turned, looked left, looked right, there was nothing on, and he just went, "All right, fine, I'll get it." <laughs> and like, it's an amazing ball, it's a superb ball, and it's a superb finish from Ibrahimovic. But you could you could almost see like the disgust on Pogba's face as he hit, just like, ugh. Fine, I can't believe you keep forcing me to do stuff like this. And he just like hits it, and it's an incredible ball. But like these glimmers are very much based on the fact that we've got two or three of the world's best players, rather than we've got a manager who is good at coaxing this out of us. This sounds way like I really don't like watching Man United right now. Whereas you know I quite like watching him play. It will come good, I'm sure of it, but. Uh, I think it's very much glimmers right now rather than anything special. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the fun factor has been a fascinating thing because last season, I mean, this is not a, a new theory, but last season, I, I don't think I've ever been that bored watching football. It was it, it was staggering. <laughs> but I don't, I don't think I've been bored once this season. No, I haven't been bored. I've been frustrated, but not bored. Uh, and I suppose that's... So what? Moyes was maddening sadness. LVG was bored and Mourinho is frustration. Um, I don't know what's the next phase in this like depressive stage. 
think it's acceptance, isn't it? I'm pretty sure that's where we've yeah, all got. To... Just just acceptance of where we are in the world landscape now. Um, and and that's that's. I think AC Milan is an interesting parallel, and like I'm definitely a bit older than you, and and the Liverpool collapse is a, a, the thing that you said about United's aura has gone. This is what was the the kind of post game analysis of Liverpool's collapse was that something happened and it went very quickly. You know, Anfield lost its aura very quickly. I have to say, this might just be a tendency towards rose-tinted spectacles, but I do feel a bit like Old, Trafford or, Old Trafford's aura is coming back. We've only lost there once in all competitions this season, I think. I, 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 mm, that's nice, but I think the manner of the losses in the last three seasons was so ordinary. I think this is this is when you talk about aura being lost. It's not. It's not the loss where you lose in the last minute. It's not the loss where, uh, you know, you get you lose to a penalty. But it's when it's like a thoroughly ordinary defeat. When it's you know the Norwich defeat last season was, I, oh my god, when we're using Chris Smalling as an emergency striker. When when you're humble to that level, it can take so long to build it back and six. Six or seven months can't really bring that back because it's it's a bit like the Tyson defeat in Japan when he lost the title for the very first time, and then once Tyson lost for the first time, you realised he was faking his tough guy persona the entire time. Or a bit like Ronda Rousey when she lost in the UFC. Um, now, when you look at Ronda Rousey, you can tell that she was essentially putting on some of her tough girl persona. That it was just like a facade, and you're a bit like the the guy at the end of the Wizard of Oz. And I think, especially now, a lot of teams will play Man United, go a goal down and be like, no, if we keep going, this will, we can at least get a point. Whereas before, it was very much, oh, they've scored. Well, fine. Let's just get over and done with. (laughs) (laughs) And let's try and minimise the damage. Yeah. I don't, I don't, you don't see teams collapse in the same way they used to, to Manchester United, which, which was annoying. I mean, yesterday when West Ham equalised, I thought this, oh, here we go again. West Ham want to give us some trouble. Um, and I was almost surprised by the fact that we won 4-1 because we don't, it feels a bit weird for me that we're, we can just be like, all right, fine. They've equalised. Let's just like slam our gloves together and get this over and done with. Uh, I would like some more workmanlike victories. And I haven't seen that quite yet from United this season. I would say though, this is my this is like in defence of my the aura is slightly coming back theory. There have been four, I think, off the top of my head, four four collapses against us. Now the the quality of the opposition in those collapses was not particularly impressive, but we are kind of this is about what we do to teams that are not as good as us. And so Feyenoord and Fenerbahce both completely fell apart once we scored against them. But then <laughs> maybe maybe you could say like the aura lasts a bit longer abroad. <laughs> It really could do. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things. I, I mean, I'm sure we'll go to Everton and that will be a very interesting thing because Coleman is, I think, a really, really good manager. And there was a point in time where I was like, yeah, well, I wouldn't mind him as a United manager. I think he's got a good mix of pragmatism and whatever. But Everton in a bit of a slump. So if we can just go, you know, if Everton go over and we completely steamroll them, then I'm like, okay, here we go. Let's, let's get some momentum. Let's get a couple wins together. Um, 
I find it very interesting that essentially in the post Fergie span, the like United fan favorites are De Gea, who from what I consider is a very nice boy. Well, yes, I know. Uh, Juan Mata, who we know for a fact is a very nice boy. And Ander Herrera, who looks like a nice boy, but is a little bit of a twerp. Uh, and I'm like, ah, oh, we, we've, we've become a side of uh, quote-unquote nice boys. Whereas I would like just like one rotter. <laughs> I think Herrera's got that in him though, hasn't he? Oh, I, I love Herrera. I love, I love how Herrera... Herrera's got that thing that Oscar has where because he looks baby-faced, no one notices that he consistently fouls all of the time. Herrera is like, he's a B-plus cheat. He's very good at fouling all the time and not picking up a yellow card, which is what I like from a midfielder. And apparently he's very good at sledging. So he's just in your ear the entire time. Um, but you wouldn't think of it because he's just, he seems so nice and he hangs out with one matter. So <laughs> His protestations of innocence are amazing as well. It's like, oh. he's fully committed. The man... Clearly believes, you know, you, I know you're a wrestling fan and Steve Austin always says, like, you've got to make it seem real. It's got to be real to you. And for Herrera, his protestations of innocence are real to him. Oh, yeah. And it's, I love, oh, I think, I think it was you after the first goal against Arsenal, we just tweeted all caps, all the Spanish boys can stay. I <laughs> don't think that was me, but they definitely can. Yeah, they definitely can. It's, it's. Yeah, I love those three. I just wish we had another twerp. I want one more twerp. I think Ibrahimovic is like his left hand's definitely got that in him too. He's definitely oh, he's arrogant, but he's not a twerp. Okay, right, right, right. So, what's the definition? Now, what's the definition of a twerp? What are we looking for here? Oh, I want someone whose entire game plan is I'm just going to keep talking to you and keep annoying you to put you off your game. I'm going to get you to get a yellow card because you cannot handle me. Just like constantly yelling at you in the media and yelling at you on the pitch and like being antagonistic but the moment you look at me I'm like oh, I don't know what's going on what are you talking about I'm worried about it. I'm worried you might be suggesting we get Craig Bellamy out of retirement at this point it's not the worst thing in the world <laughs> I reckon I reckon Bellamy could teach young Rash a few things about gamesmanship let's just get the dark arts of being a striker Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for your time, Carl. Uh, it's been it's been a pleasure having you on the show, and we'll get you back definitely in the new year. All right, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Well, that escalated quickly. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and thanks thanks so much for Carl to Carl for joining us. Now, I should say that the um, I mention this whenever we do guests, but the guest portion of the show is brought to you by uh, the fact that we've got um, a crowdfunding source now, so uh, I can take some time out of my week to um, organise and uh, record these interviews. Um, we're running for the first time a, a batch of stretch goals, uh, which eventually will culminate hopefully in a potential live show. We've added uh, another. Uh, beautiful Cal Guild art print to the art tier and we've also added in a t-shirt uh, Rantcast t-shirt tier um, so head on over to patreon.com slash Rantcast and have a look um, 
the one of the main attractions hopefully for people is um that we record bonus content uh, you get an extra half an hour once a month and then every episode you get an extra 10 to 20 minutes um if we hit one of our stretch goals that'll be an extra 30 minutes every week so uh, we're hoping we're hoping that that comes off um and just massive thanks to everyone who's who's backed and if you've been thinking about it now's a super good time to do it because we're we're trying to stretch towards these new goals very good. Cool. All right. Should we uh, should we do some listener questions? Let's do it. All right. More so, the gentleman has no theory slash science that can prove hashtag demonetization failure or success. Hashtag rankcast. Someone else is using our hashtag, Ed. They could be, or you know, they could be asking me a financial question of some kind. <laughs> they could be. It's true. Um, at JB73 says, uh, given that his stats at Southampton were so good, don't you find it strange that Mourinho never plays Morgan Schneiderlin? No. I mean, uh, I don't find it a surprise because I'm not sure Schneiderlin is of the requisite quality for United. Um, and no one would be surprised about that because that was my opinion before he joined the club. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So uh, in that sense, I'm not surprised. In in the sense that, you know, he's tried lots and lots of combinations in midfield uh, and you know, lots of it hasn't been very successful. Some of it has, um, that he hasn't given Schneiderlin more of an opportunity, that's a surprise. At AP, the middleman, says, United to finish sixth, win the League Cup, the FA Cup and the Europa League is the best we can hope for now. (laughs) That's weirdly, massively pessimistic and insanely optimistic all at the same time. The chances of... Yeah, would would, would that be a good season? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. De- definitely that would be a good season because the fact that we came sixth in the league would be offset. It didn't really matter too much. We won the Europa League, still in the Champions League next season and we'd have won three competitions including European silverware. Can't... Uh, okay, so take that and add Liverpool winning the league. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> Make it stop. It's also made you... You know, develop a West Country accent. <laughs> it's not good. It's Even not. the thought of it. Uh, I mean, they took a step away from the direction of winning the league at the weekend just gone, didn't they? Did you did you manage to catch much of Liverpool Bournemouth? I know you had a very busy weekend. I had a very busy weekend. I did catch the highlights. Uh, and it was quite amusing. So I went out of my house. Uh, Liverpool had been 2-0 up. I went out of my house just as Bournemouth scored that penalty. And uh, I just glanced at Twitter about half an hour later and saw lots of people laughing. And I assumed what had happened is that Bournemouth had equalised and Liverpool had thrown away a 2-0 lead. But it was much, much more beautiful and hilarious than that. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's classic Klopp, though, isn't it? Is it? Uh, You know, well, it's heavy metal. (laughs) Well, no, giving up the lead, no. But the kind of heavy metal, I'm going to score more than you. Kind of thing is Klopp. Uh, they're they're um, a highly inconsistent side, <laughs> they are. aren't they? Um, they are. I I suspect they're probably generally having fun, so we probably won't talk too much about that for now. We'll make fun of them at the end of the season, maybe. Um, I just want to mention. Uh, I don't know. I'm slightly reticent to mention this because uh, it feels a bit like blowing our own trumpet, but I just felt it was important that somebody says something about this. Uh, Ron Atkinson has been doing the rounds on United podcasts and he's obviously he's always on MUTV. Uh, he's got a book out at the moment. Lots of people have been doing publicity work with him. Uh, we were invited to cover Ron Atkinson's book and absolutely have no interest in doing that. Uh, the man hasn't even begun to apologise enough and when asked about it, he always says... I'm not talking about this anymore. I've apologised. I'm not apologising anymore. I've apologised enough, which 
essentially proves he hasn't apologised enough because you, you, the lack of contrition when he talks about it is deeply unpleasant and he shouldn't really be on MUTV, let alone being given a load of free publicity for his book and stuff. So I, I agree. And, you know, I'm... Uh... I'm uh, I'm very much willing to believe uh, that there's rehabilitation in the worst of humanities uh, traits. Big Ron's comments about Marcel Desailly are right up there with the worst of humanities traits, um, and I'm afraid he's always given a non-apology apology, which is basically look at all the black players I had. No, not good enough. Not. So that's uh, just just wanted to mention that. Um, because I feel like someone has to say occasionally, hey, by the way, everyone's just treating him like this lovable old granddad, but it's not like that. Um, <laughs> all right, a dramatic left turn now. At Jazifer says, can you sing a little carol? <laughs> Listen, of course, you know the answer. Yes, yes, a million times yes. Silent night, holy Dwight. Played with coal, scored some goals. I can't remember the next one. I'll have to do. Very good. I thought you were going to, you know, give it the old Welsh choir, good King Wenceslas style. Good no. King Wenceslas looked out upon the feast of Stephen and the snow lay round about deep and crisp and even. It'd be pretty good with a breakbeat over that. <laughs> it would. Um, anyone wants to remix that, feel free. Uh, at 987Sean and at underscore Taylor Ben responded within seconds of me asking uh, for Rankcast questions, both saying very similar things. Is Duncan Castles our greatest ever signing? Asks Taylor. And does Jose have Duncan Castles' Twitter password? Would make a lot of sense. <laughs> well, I hadn't thought about that theory, but it may well be true. Um, I mean, it's a remarkable signing. It's not going to help us much on the pitch, but uh, it's a good one for the PR department. Uh I just had a little look on his Twitter and, like, the second tweet down is just a link to the Gestafute comment on the Mourinho tax stuff. Not like an article about it, just a link to the Gestafute site. Is he actually on their books? Is that is that an official relationship or what? I don't know. It's amazing. Um... At C Armband says, can you explain your shocking decision to choose 30-something out of 101 Damnations in your top 50 album list? I just did it for fun, quickly. Uh, this top 50 album thing that's been going around Twitter and I had 30-something on there. Um, yeah, I like it more. Well, that's fine, isn't it? It's, I yeah, I mean, uh, um, maybe this could be bonus content some week. Uh, I, I think there's uh, clearly uh, you know, more nuance to 101 Damnations. Isn't there? But um, you cannot turn thirty something on, with uh, you know, without hearing Sheriff Fatman and go, yes, takes you right back to the time, doesn't it? And there's about seventy five percent of our listeners who have no idea whatsoever what we're talking about. But you think, guys, go free advice. Go listen. It's great. You think that twenty five percent of our listeners have heard Sheriff Fatman by Carter the Unstoppable Sex Machine? Because I think that is a high number. <laughs> um, please can you talk in details as at mango underscore carrot about your thoughts and feelings regarding Everton versus Manchester United and upcoming games uh, no amazing alright this is one for you because I don't eat eggs but at lethal mocktail says do you keep your eggs in the fridge or do you have one of those countertop egg holder things no in the fridge there's no reason for it they're hermetically sealed but I'm not taking a chance <laughs> 
Um, is <laughs> at Jurassic Farts says, is there a real possibility that this season is some sort of A-level art project that someone's going to get a C minus for? I could it could explain quite a lot. Um, is, would C minus be generous at this stage? Thirteen points behind the leaders. <laughs> yeah, but he just means like C minus for the art project. I, I think it's it's. You could argue that it's a kind of investigation into the the notion of impatience and themes of contemporary, and like uh, the excesses of consumer capitalism and how spending doesn't bring you happiness, you know. Yeah, Mourinho meets Noam Chomsky. At PA underscore man underscore U underscore fan says, Are Pogba and Zlatan untouchable? I get they'll have bad games, but sub them when their performance isn't up to par. I think that's an interesting point. I think especially with Ibrahimovic... He does, I can understand why it must be very difficult for a manager who needs a goal to take Ibrahimovic off even when he's having a bad day because he can do some absolutely ridiculous things. Of course, of course he can. Um, Is this saying something about Mourinho being a little less decisive than he used to be? You know, or... And it's a strange, there's a dichotomy here, clearly, because in some cases he's decided very, very quickly that a player is not for him. Mkhitaryan, possibly Luke Shaw, definitely Schweinsteiger, who, you know, and he's made a, a bad turn on Mkhitaryan, so give him some credit for that, but also why did it take so long? Schweinsteiger, he's doing the same thing. Now he's talking about him staying. Um, uh, so, you know, made very, very quick decisions there. But in some cases, it took him a long time. You know, and uh, and I I agree with you. By the way, you comment earlier that about not dropping Ibrahimovic, at least not yet. I just think you know, as I said, there's some trade offs. Um, but uh, yeah, the weekend you definitely should have come off. Absolutely. Um, at Sutcliffe says, sorry, uh, John Pilger says war is brewing with China. Are we morally obliged to lobby the government so Rooney gets the one song he deserves? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's that's uh, that's pretty harsh, but you know it's a thought. Just want to make it clear that question is. There's going to come a point in the not that distant future where that question is absolutely not funny anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yes, very very good, very well done. Um, satire doesn't work. That's the Rankcast running theme, isn't it? Uh, you have to tune into the backers content oh, by the way i didn't mention this earlier but if you do uh, sign up as a patreon uh, backer you get access to all the bonus content um we've done already this season which is properly hours of content now and it's not um it's not generally topical stuff so uh, you know you can go back back and have a listen to that if you sign up i'm gonna stop advertising stuff soon but uh, there we go. Um, and last one, at BillyBob1310 says, I have a feeling we'll go on a run post-Christmas and score many, many goals along the way. Am I stupid? I don't think so. I think that's entirely possible. It's certainly possible. There would have to be a change in a number of dynamics in this United side. But look, it's not a massive change, as we talked about last week. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I guess it's time to uh, talk about the football games that are coming up. Uh, should we briefly touch on away at Zorro Luhansk, 6pm UK time, that classic Thursday evening slot? Ah, joy. Uh, yeah, um, go for it, Paul. Tell us all about uh, Zoya. Where, where's this game actually being played? It's, it's not in, it's not in uh, 
the Eastern European, Eastern European, Eastern Ukrainian region where there is still, you know, the the brewings of war. I think it's happening in Odessa because someone asked me a question about where United fans would be drinking in Odessa. And I just want to make it very clear. I have no idea. You would not catch me dead going to a near war zone to watch Man United play. Well, you know, I mean, for, for, for those of... Uh, those of you who like getting points on the Euro ways, this is a good nine yeah. and a half to ten pointer, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a. I, I think you know they've they've had some decent results at home in this Europa League group. We only need a draw, which is which is great. Um, but I can see us. I mean, we we haven't won a game away from home in Europe since Club Bruges. And since then, we've had quite a lot of games away from home in Europe. Not only have we not won a game, I'm pretty sure we've lost... All, no, we drew with CSK in Moscow, didn't we? Martial scored, it was one all. But apart from that, I think we've lost every one of those games. So uh, I, I do not think it's a foregone conclusion that we win but this game. they're pretty bobbins, aren't they? This is not a good team. Well, they are, but... It's it's not a good team, but they they haven't lost at home yet, have they? In this Europa they, they League, they've won for quite a long time either, though. <laughs> have they not? I mean, no, they lost at the weekend. They drew the weekend before that. Lost to Fenerbahce. Lost uh, lost the weekend before that at home. Drew away. In fact, when's the last time they haven't won since October? Right. Have we? Oh yeah, yeah, we have. So yeah. they're not a good team. No, and they're not in great form. No, I'm going for a one 0 Winter Zoya. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I suppose that the, it's become important because of how bad our league form is, but even if we get through the group, that's, f- I mean, obviously there's absolutely no guarantee that we'll win or even get that deep in this tournament. But we're, we're close enough now to qualification that it would seem a bit of a shame if we if we didn't have European football after January, as Jurgen Klopp made fun of us for. Yeah, I want to stuff Zoya just to go, in your face, Klopp. <laughs> Yeah, um, and then a massive, 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 mega, mega, massive game at Old Trafford. I mean, if ever we need a lads, it's Tottenham moment. But the thing is, I'm not sure Pochettino's Tottenham can be lads, it's Tottenham. No, no, I mean, lads, they're actually a pretty good team. Uh, you know, they've had an inconsistent Start? Do we call it a start still? Inconsistent first third of the season, haven't they? You know, I, mm. I suspect that they would have liked to have built on what they achieved last season. Uh, still managed to Tottenham it up in the last few weeks of the season, didn't they? And and uh, they Arsenal, man, how they managed to beat them in the league, I don't know, because Tottenham were good all season, Arsenal were not. Um, and, you know, there's obviously been a little bit of a hangover. They haven't... Uh, they they expanded the squad in the summer, but perhaps not with the real quality of signing that Pochettino might have wanted. You know, so they're, they're doing all right. They're quite what six seven points ahead of United at the moment, um, and uh, great win at West Ham the other week. You know, they are getting some decent results, but it's not consistent. It's not. There's a very good team in there, though, isn't there? Like, I, I mean, since the Modric, other than the Modric Bale. Uh, Van der Vaart team I can't think of a, a Spurs team this good in the Premier League era probably no no I mean um, there was uh, there was the uh, I don't know whether it was Modric Van der Vaart Bale uh, you know a few years before that they finished fourth a couple of times didn't they um, and then sacked the manager <laughs> 
talk about having expectations slightly warped out of reality but you know um but they've got to do it now and i think it's it's a very good point this because they're spending a lot of money redeveloping white hart lane it is going to eat into their budget i mean obviously the amount of revenue pulled in by the premier league now means that it's less impactful than it was say for arsenal um but they're spending 600 million on a new stadium you know so right now is the time um, because uh, it's not like there's a sugar daddy that owns Tottenham that's going to pump tons of money in. You know, this is debt, and they're going to have to pay it back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's imperative for them. I don't know. I, it's hard. It feels very hard when you talk about predictions. So, so first of all, a, a lot of this is going to depend on what happens on Thursday, isn't it? Because uh, injuries and all that sort of stuff. But just team selection, I think. Given how important that Spurs game is, given there's a, a another game next midweek, I'm pretty sure. Uh, is it next midweek? Yeah, next midweek we play Crystal Palace away in the middle of the week. So there's no rest here, no respite from league football um, for for a good while. This is the start of Christmas, basically. Um, what's he going to do? Like, how's he going to handle team selection in these two games? What well, he's going to have to make some changes for Zoya. Yeah. Clearly. So Rooney will come back, I guess. He's he's going to have to prioritise the Spurs game. And it's brutal because it's a long flight. It's a five-hour flight. And it's not just, you know, you say, oh, they're going first class and whatever, and they will. And it's not the flight that's the uncomfortable bit. It's the time change, the, the basically the day spent travelling, and particularly coming back. Because even if they um, leave directly after the game, uh, you're and, and with the you gain a few hours coming back from, you know, coming west. Um, even with that, they're not going to be getting to bed until the middle of the morning. That ruins training the next day, and then they have one yeah. day. It's tough. So it's it's really going to be demanding. And I think that's that's another reason why being wildly optimistic about that Spurs game from, from the current perspective is very difficult to do. So I wonder whether we won't see Lingard and Rashford against Zoria and Martial and Mkhitaryan again against Spurs, or some hybrid of that in those those two games. Elsewhere, Schneidlin, maybe even you know, Schweinsteiger, half an hour at the end of the Zoria game or something like that. I don't even know if he's actually registered for the Europa League. He's not. No, he's. He, yeah, I don't think so. he is, no. Fellaini, um, people have been saying he'll never play again. He might start in the immediate next game. Right. Uh, why would Mourinho suddenly ostracise him? He's spent the last few days defending him and his de- decision. So, no, I, I think there's a good chance Fellaini starts uh, in Ukraine and there's a good chance there's quite a few changes, you know, six, seven or more. Uh, and fine. I think that's totally fine, uh, given where the priorities lie and just how difficult this is going to be, um, uh, you know, just from a scheduling point of view. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so predictions eight nil in Zoya? No, no, no. Um, it's hard to. It's, I mean, this, they are rubbish, <laughs> and it's hard to see United winning away. Yeah. But it's, surely it's got to happen at some point. So let's say a one nil win to United away okay. in Zoya, okay. and and two all against Spurs. Wow, uh, I'm going for a one all draw away in Zoya, and oh, I'm going heart overhead two one win against Spurs. Scrappier than we have been, but or. I want the other thing that I don't think is impossible is that we really turn on the style against Spurs. I think if it wasn't for the Zoria game, though, I'd be more optimistic of that happening. So a scrappy two-one win after a kind of disappointing one-all draw. That's what I think is coming. 
whatever happens, uh, we'll be back to talk about it on a show next week. Please do head on over and check out the, the new stuff on the Patreon page. I'm just going to mention that um, over the next couple of shows and then go back to just, you know, briefly mentioning it once once or twice. It's not like we're going to bang on about it for ages every week or anything. Um, and if you are already backing us on Patreon, uh, stay tuned because there's more coming right now. Everyone else, we'll see you next week. We certainly will. And remember, a dog is for Christmas. Backing us on Patreon is for life.